Good evening. This is Rob McClure and Vicki Iden bringing you your local news, coming to you live from the WORT studios on Bedford Street in beautiful downtown Madison. Here are the headlines for this evening. Margaret Farrow, Wisconsin's first woman to serve as lieutenant governor, died yesterday at the age of 87. Farrow had a long record of public service beginning as village president of Elm Grove, three years in the state assembly and 12 years as a state senator. She was appointed by Governor Scott McCallum to fill his position of lieutenant governor in 2011. Farrow was known as a stalwart of the right wing of the GOP and often called Wisconsin's Margaret Thatcher. The Capital Times reports that in 2008, she was tapped to be a surrogate speaker for Sarah Palin. In 2011, she was appointed to the UW Board of Regents by Governor Scott Walker. Her son is Peter Farrow, the Waukesha County Executive. Democratic State Senator Janice Ringhan from District 15 in Rock and Green Counties has announced she will not seek re-election this November. Democratic Representative Mark Spreitzer from Beloit said he would run for the open seat. That's according to the Associated Press. Ringhand has served in the legislature for 12 years. She is now the 18th state lawmaker to announce that they are not seeking re-election in the fall. After the Supreme Court ruled last week to adopt Governor Tony Evers' redistricting maps, some lawmakers, though not Ringhand, are finding that they no longer live in the district which they represent. Madison and Dane County Public Health has issued an alert due to a sharp increase in drug overdoses in our community. Drug-involved overdoses in our community have more than doubled the usual rate. Uh, The alert is based on ambulance and hospital data. Julie Olson, public health nurse supervisor, said, quote, We don't always know exactly what is driving up a spike in overdoses. It could be that the makeup of drugs in our community has changed or that fentanyl or other substances are being mixed in, end quote. Today, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that Milwaukee County reported that 642 people died from drug overdoses last year. Over 500 of those deaths were due to fentanyl poisoning. This is a 50% increase in drug deaths from just two years ago. This extraordinary increase brings the level close to the number of COVID deaths in Milwaukee in the same period. And on that very topic, here are the COVID numbers for today. There were 475 confirmed COVID cases in Wisconsin yesterday, with the state's seven-day average dropping once again to 408 confirmed cases each day over the past week. Yesterday marked the second day in a row with no new reported deaths from the virus. Here in Dane County, there were 91 confirmed COVID cases with 48 people remaining hospitalized from the virus. Madison schools also saw dropping COVID cases last week. According to the Capital Times, the district reported 40 new cases in the first week of March. Despite the drop, students at Madison schools will continue to wear masks through at least spring break. And those were your local headlines. We turn now to two special guests in the studio, Jade Isiri Ramos and Bert Zipperer, who want to tell you a little something about WORT and our pledge drive. That's right, Vicki. We have great news. The first pledge is in. Thank you, Steve, for your generous donation. Steve likes all the news shows and a public affair. Me too, Steve. Great yeah. choices. Excellent. And 
chose not to take any thank you gifts because WORT is his gift. Oh, love to hear that. You could be like Steve. Steve called us, which is we love to keep our phone answer, KJ, a little bit busy. And the phone number here is 608-256-2001, extension 1. At this point, I think I have that number memorized more than my own phone number. Um, so please call. Give a little little something to the station. Support the local news. Uh, you can also go online. Do you know the... W-O-R-T-F-M dot O-R-G. Up top right corner, the donut button. The donut button. It's big and orange. Looks tasty. Just <laughs> click it. Give us a little something. Pick your premium if you want a premium. And we would love to take a little bit of money from you. So Vicki Iden and Rob McClure are reading the news. There's a whole team of people behind them who've done so much work. But uh, Rob and Vicki are really good at reading, Oh, my gosh. Huh? Oh, my gosh. They're, they're rock stars <laughs> in there. It's, it's a joy to be on the other side of the glass from them. So And Chuck is making the whole thing happen. So we've only got about another minute, I believe. Yeah, Chuck's over here doing some quick and hard math. Yeah, just trying to figure out how many minutes we've got. All this on the end. I think we've got like a minute and a half, maybe. Oh, yeah, something like that. So it's a great time to call six zero eight two five six two thousand one extension one and to say thank you to Vicky, to Rob, to Chuck, to all the people here, Sholly and Rochelle. <gasps> oh, 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 oh! We have a new donor online. I and think. Hold on. <gasps> yes. Take it away. Who? It's Taylor. Thank you, Taylor. Who is um, actually uh, someone who's also getting one of those new War Retro Airline bags. Thank you so much. Taylor and Steve, you really have kicked off this hour. We're, uh, you know, almost halfway to our goal, so we need at least three more people to call. More is better. More is better. Um, Become a new donor. Oh, they mentioned Taylor's a new donor. First time. Excellent. Uh, become a new donor. Become uh, increase your giving. You know, help us out however you can. Steve, continuing or new? Are you looking for that information? Continuing. Continuing. See, Steve. Steve likes us so much. He'll hit us again. 608-256-2001, extension one. Please do not hit your friends. And w o r t f m dot o r g. And now back to Vicky and Rob. Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway unveiled a new location for a permanent men's homeless shelter in Madison today. It's the latest proposal in Madison's years-long quest to find a new shelter. But today's announcement was a surprise to some Madison alders and could face an uphill battle getting approved. Our producer, Nate Weggehaupt, has the story. And I'd ask you to contrast the difference between putting mattresses on a gymnasium floor and building a building where you are expecting people to sleep on a regular basis, right? We're, we are purposefully building a shelter to give people a place to go and to connect to services and to connect to permanent housing. Earlier today, Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway announced the location of the new permanent men's homeless shelter. The shelter would sit at 1902 Bartillon Drive on Madison's far east side, located right next to a former homeless encampment in Rindall Park. The mayor says that the plan is to design a new shelter from scratch to avoid working around the limitations of an existing building. And I'd ask you to contrast the difference between putting mattresses on a gymnasium floor and building a building where you are expecting people to sleep 
on a regular basis, right? We're, we are purposefully building a shelter to give people a place to go and to connect to services and to connect to permanent housing. But finding the right location is just the first step in the process, and attempts to move beyond this stage in the past few years have fizzled. The mayor's announcement today was news to some key stakeholders who would need to help move the plan forward. It was news to Madison Alder Gary Halverson, who represents District 17. Until recently, he represented the area where the shelter would be built. Under shifting boundary lines after the latest round of redistricting, he represents an area just next door. Halverson says that he wasn't informed about today's announcement from the mayor. District 17, historically, we've been very helped. We've helped the, the individuals experiencing homelessness a lot. The, the residents are not opposed to helping those that need help by far. The, the problem is engagement and getting input. And to see the mayor continually make these announcements saying this is what's going to happen without any engagement is very disappointing. Last year, the city considered a separate plan to build a permanent shelter also on the city's east side. That plan eventually failed due in part to concerns from neighbors. Halverson, who represents Zaire Road, where the shelter would have been built, opposed the plan. He says the plan did not account for community concern about the location, and in particular safety concerns from a coalition of business owners at Global Market, an Asian food court and grocery store. Older Syed Abbas represents Madison's 12th district, which would hold the new men's shelter this go-around. Today's announcement was also news to him. Last year, Alder Abbas joined Halverson in voting against the temporary shelter on Zaya Road, saying the plan for the shelter was not close enough to a bus stop for unhoused residents to access Madison's downtown, where many support services are located. Amas says this time that though he is disappointed with how the news of the shelter was released, he thinks this plan could be much better than the last. So as compared to the Zaire Road, it's a huge improvement to have this particular uh, location. And that all happened because of the accountability and pushback given by me and my fellow alders who voted against the Zaire Road fall within the neighborhood of District 17 and their older is Gary Hammerson. Both of us came to know about this news through the local media and uh, just purposefully the mayor cut us off from this process. I don't know why, but uh, I do think so. Uh, by not engaging us uh, also shows a symbol of not engaging community, but I really want to make sure community wise get heard. Both Halverson and Abbas say they are planning to hold public input meetings about this proposal. The two alders are holding a press briefing about the proposal tomorrow. Carla Tennis is the executive director with Porchlight, the group that operates the current men's shelter. Tennis has been with the men's shelter since the 80s when the shelter started at Grace Episcopal Church in downtown Madison. She says that the move to a permanent shelter has been decades in the making. We joked for 35 years with Grace Church that we were there temporarily. So though it feels like, oh, this was two years in the making, this has been 37 years in the making. And so we're excited. Like the city has been amazing and the county stepped up. I mean, this is, it's going to take a lot of funding to purchase and renovate. The next conversations needs to be the operating costs. The new shelter would be a joint project between both the city and Dane County, who have already put together $9 million towards the project. A final cost estimate for the new shelter will be decided once the building is fully designed. 
Currently, a temporary men's shelter sits at the former Fleet's Services Building on 1st Street on the city's east side. That site is expected to be repurposed into the new Madison Public Market later this year. The folks at the former Fleet Building are scheduled to move to the Zaya Road location later this summer. Jim O'Keefe is the Community Development Director with the City of Madison. He says that the community will absolutely get to have a say on the matter before plans are finalized. Well, you know, today's decision isn't isn't the final and definitive answer. The process is that often the executive, in this case the mayor, um, will take a, a recommendation to the council. That's what's going to happen here. The, the council is going to be asked to approve this selection through the resolution that we mentioned earlier. And so there will be every opportunity for Alder Halverson and, and his colleagues to discuss it and decide whether they they want to support it or not. The new location has a long way to go and faces an uphill battle at the next stage where previous plans have fallen apart. It will take time to work through the Madison Common Council and Alders will need to approve the plan, which has not yet even been submitted to the council. If it clears that and subsequent hurdles, the shelter would be expected to open in about three years. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Nate Wuggiehout. Yesterday marked the end of the legislative year for state lawmakers, giving them ample time to work on the high-stakes election this fall. As lawmakers were called by Governor Tony Evers to address the projected budget surplus of over $3 billion, Republican lawmakers gaveled in <clears throat> pardon me, and quickly gaveled out the special session, effectively killing the governor's ideas for a surplus. Earlier today... Our producer, Nate Weggehaupt, spoke with Democratic Representative Lisa Subeck of Madison about that short session and about the end of the legislative year. I'm on the line with Representative Lisa Subeck, the Democratic Representative from Madison. Representative Subeck, thank you so much for talking with me here today. Thank you for having me. So just to start things off, yesterday was the last day of the 2021-2022 legislative session. What are your thoughts on the session this year? Sure. You know, I think we've had incredible missed opportunities this year. Unfortunately, um, the Republican leadership in the legislature has um, gone gone through the entire legislative session putting politics ahead of people. And we have been hearing from the people of Wisconsin as we come out of the pandemic about all of the things that um, would help them. And, you know, whether we're talking about addressing the child care crisis, whether we are talking about addressing a worker shortage, raising wages, dealing with clean drinking water issues, providing desperately needed support for schools. Um, Republicans have really failed on all accounts when it comes to this. And they chose to fairly abruptly end the legislative session without dealing with any of these issues. And, you know, I think it's indicative of the hyper-partisan environment in which we work. We're going into an election year, and I think that there was such a desire on the part of the Republicans not to give the governor any victories that they weren't even willing to work in a bipartisan fashion on the issues that are most important to the people they represent. And, you know, just yesterday we were supposed to meet or where there was a call for a special session by Governor Evers. And during that special session, we would have been talking about um, addressing the state's 
projected surplus. And Governor Evers came forth with a plan that would make critical investments in our people and would actually return $150 to every single tax, to every, to every single individual through um, a rebate, through a surplus rebate. And these surplus rebates would have been a great chance for us to say, look, the people of Wisconsin paid in, they've worked hard, they've kept our state running, now we're in a position to give a little back. Um, the Republicans yesterday gaveled in and out of that special session without any discussion or any consideration of any proposals whatsoever. In fact, um, only two of them showed up to gavel the session in and out. The Democrats were sitting in the room waiting, and um, the Republicans didn't just let us down. They let down the people of Wisconsin. We have an opportunity to put money back in the pockets of people at a time when they need it most, and Republicans refused to act. So you talked about the special session that was supposed to happen yesterday, and I guess technically did happen yesterday, and that's definitely the biggest news to come out of the end of the session there. But what are your other thoughts on the end of the session? Are you satisfied with how the year ended? There is so much that we could have done. I mean, this has been an unusual year due to the COVID pandemic or an unusual um, biennium and an unusual two years um, due to the pandemic. And I think the pandemic laid bare for us some of the biggest challenges the Wisconsinites face. And, you know, we've always had, a, we have long had an affordable housing crisis, but that was heightened by the pandemic. We have long had a childcare crisis, but that was heightened by the pandemic. We have long faced challenges with people having access to affordable quality health care. That predated the pandemic, but it was certainly accentuated by the pandemic. I think one of the key things that we could look to is we fail, is the Republicans refused to expand Medicaid. And we could have simply accepted federal funds to expand Medicaid and brought health care to tens of thousands of Wisconsinites who currently go without it and improved the quality of care for an infinite number of others. And yeah, it's probably one of the most shameful pieces of how this session is ending. And I will emphasize there's no reason the session has to end this week. I mean, the Assembly actually met on the floor for its last time back in February, and the Senate met today for their last, or yesterday, pardon me, for their last floor day. And there's no reason that has to end. We have more floor periods that could be scheduled. The Republicans have chosen to take their ball and go home instead of working together to address the challenge of our state faces. So sort of looking at the year as a whole, what has happened this year that you are proud of? What has the Assembly done that you are proud that you have done? And what are some things that you sort of look back on that you're not so proud of? Sure. So I think, you know, we came into this legislative session in the midst of the pandemic. And that created incredible challenges, not just for us as a legislature, but for everybody in our state. And during this legislative session, we were part of the rollout of vaccines. We were part of helping to um, lay the groundwork to be able to get those deployed. Um, first, to that first group of eligible individuals, our senior citizens and our most, you know, most health vulnerable individuals, but then more broadly to everybody. And I think that we um, did come together in a bipartisan way 
and work with outside partners to ensure that that could happen and could happen well. It's unfortunate that at the same time as we were working to roll out vaccines, we did have Republicans in the legislature um, starting to put forward legislation that actually started a bit of a culture war around health care, and that part was unfortunate. But I am proud that we managed to roll that out and to do it in a way that was really positive. My biggest frustrations are clearly that a time when our state is sitting on a surplus, um, we aren't returning money to the people of Wisconsin. And I think that's shameful and it's sad that that's gotten hung up in a um, partisan political fight. I think that also we have begun, thanks to the leadership of Governor Evers, to address the child care crisis. Unfortunately, um, the legislature hasn't moved on some of these issues as much as the governor has. Um, clearly, um, through um, President Joe Biden and the federal government, we have received a significant um, investment in ARPA funds and other relief funds. And the governor and the administration have done a phenomenal job putting those resources to work for the people of Wisconsin to address the challenges that we faced in the midst of this crisis. Representative Subek, we're running up against the clock here. Do you have just any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us on the end of the legislative session? Yeah, I guess I would reiterate, there's no reason that the legislative session has to end today or yesterday or back in February when the Assembly met for the last time. Um, we could meet again and we could address the pressing issues. We all hear from our constituents that they are concerned about access to health care. We hear from our constituents that they want and need access to clean drinking water, that they want us to support our public schools and put in important resources into our schools. They want us to support our colleges and universities. I could go on. There's no reason that we have to pack up and go home now. We could keep working on these things. Unfortunately, um, Speaker Voss and the Republicans refuse to allow that to happen. I've been talking with Democratic Representative Lisa Subek of Madison on the end of the 2021-2022 legislative session. Representative Subek, thank you again for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. You're listening to Handcrafted Local News here on WORT 89.9 FM. Stay with us. We've got a lot more stories for you coming up in the second half of the show Madison in the 60s tries to watch a banned film, and the most comprehensive weather report on the airwaves with Rob. But first, we'll take a quick break, which will give you an opportunity to call 256-2001 and express your appreciation for local news, which is free from commercial influence. We'll also take a break to listen to some of the world headlines from the BBC. Stay with us. The time is now 6.32, and you're listening to the local news on WORT 89.9 FM Madison, listener-sponsored community radio. 
I'm Rob McClure here with my co-host Vicki Iden. Thanks for staying with us for the second half of the 6 p.m. local news. And as you may know, we are in the middle of our pledge drive, actually nearing the end, and Jade and Bert have been good enough to ask for money. Jade and Bert, a Tuesday night did absolutely swimmingly. They blew their goal right out of the water. Are we close to doing that? <laughs> that is good news over here, Rob. Um, so first, we got to thank Nora, who came in during our um, very end of our last pledge break. Uh, new donor, Nora, thank you, is getting that Wart bumper sticker, uh, which is a great premium. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking for something to represent your Wart pride, you can throw it on your car or your laptop or your water bottle or wherever stickers stick. Yep. And then we also got a new donor, a very generous donor from Nicole in San Francisco. So will you ring that again for Nicole? We've got four donors this hour alone. Yeah. This first half hour alone. Four. Um, Nicole donated in memory of John Wagnitz, which um, I... A lot of people have been... A lot of people have been calling in honor of John Wagnitz. John Wagnitz uh, had a connection here to WRT. I, I, I didn't know him, but if you read his obituary, his obituary specifically says, to honor him, please donate to WORT. So we should be giving a pledge premium to John uh, because he is fundraising for us from that next place. Yeah. Um, greatly missed, and we're greatly grateful, greatly Absolutely. thankful for for him. Absolutely. So 608-256-2001, extension 1. Um, you can also donate online, as our last few pledges did. That's wortfm.org. Um, and there's a big orange donut button <laughs> for you to hit. And and, um, and John, I think, John Wagnitz, his obituary, his life, his, his request, really raises... Uh, the community aspect of community mm. radio. You know, people who are connected here, who are dedicated here, who, with their last wish, says, you know, this is important to keep alive. Donate. And every time I've been doing pledge wrapping, someone's donated in his honor, in his yeah. memory. Yeah. Which is, uh, John, wherever you are, thank you. Thank yeah. you. We're broadcasting around the world. I'm sure you can get, pick us up somewhere. Yeah. I hope you're hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and But that highlights the whole community aspect, the empowerment. This news gives you information, which makes you stronger and smarter, empowers you, but it also inspires you because you know you're not alone. There's other people doing these amazing things out there. And John uh, Wagnitz helps make it happen. Yeah. You know, part of what we've all been talking about a lot during this pledge wrap is, you know, why war? Why do we listen to war? Why do we give to war? Why do we volunteer our time at WORT? Mm-hmm. And... You know, I think for me, it's a it's a sense of community, right? Mm-hmm. I came to WORT when I was newly in, in Madison and was feeling, you know, I was 24 and 24-year-olds are always mm-hmm. feeling lost, but I was feeling lost and, you know, found a place where I could really get to know what was happening in my mm-hmm. community, get to know what was happening in what was a new state to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met amazing people. You, Bert and I, you, we met, you know, two years ago, right before. During the pledge Yeah, rap. right before the pandemic, made a new friend and then immediately went into quarantine. <laughs> and, here, and here we are again, two years later. Um, that's really, that, that is exactly true. Mm-hmm. There's, there's community, I would say that with 42 years of experience here in Madison with WORT, I would call it a sacred institution. Mm. One of those foundational things that brings us together that empowers us, that 
inspires us, that sustains us, that um, is a, a linchpin of this democracy and, yeah. and for the hope for the future, the social justice and the hope we have for the future. Yeah. If you want to be a part of that, that's 608-256-2001, extension 1. We've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, you can also go online. That's wortfm.org and pledge there. We've got one of my favorite things about the news oh, coming up yes. soon, which is Rob McClure on the weather. Exactly. And then we go back to the 60s briefly and more than that. Yeah. So we're going to go now back to Vicki and Rob. And it's time now for the most comprehensive weather report on the airwaves with WORT weather guru, Rob McClure. Well, this past weekend's thunderstorms, along with Monday's 4.2 inches of snow, has provided us at least a little bit of progress with the precipitation deficit that we've seen during the first two months of the year, during which we averaged only about 30% of our normal moisture. Uh, it would have helped had the subsoil not been frozen during those thunderstorms at the weekend. Uh, so as it happened, most of the heavy rain was actually quickly dispatched down local waterways. Anyway, on paper at least, March's 1.47 inches of rain so far has now put us closer to 70% of our normal moisture for the year, uh, even if we received little practical benefit recently from it. And we've got a fairly dry week coming up ahead, the way it's appearing, with our first realistic chance at seeing any significant rain holding off probably until uh, a week from this weekend, the way it's looking. It had appeared that we might get a round of accumulating snow uh, tomorrow night with the passing mid-level system then, and possibly on Friday as well, ahead of our incoming Arctic high-pressure cell this weekend. But both of those possibilities now look to have uh, evaporated, uh, so to speak. Uh, tomorrow night's episode, which was uh, never really going to be more than just a pulse of faster wind streaking along a mid-level pressure gradient and providing a little spin to stir the atmosphere leftward for a time, that uh, episode has sunk further south than we were anticipating, simply because the cold front that passed through here this morning, and that's what kept us cooler to, than yesterday, that front's progressed a little further south in Illinois in the mid-level pressure gradient that I was referring to, or the baroclinic zone along which the wave was passing, or is passing, is tied to that temperature boundary, so listeners maybe way down past Rockford might see a flurry or two, but otherwise just mostly cloud cover everywhere else. And Friday's snow, which would have uh, been at least some compensation for having to endure yet one more Arctic outbreak, that's uh, gone the opposite direction, actually, up to our north, uh, closer to the passing low-pressure circulation up in Ontario, which will be unspooling the southbound cold front behind it, and also tightening up the pressure gradient rather unpleasantly afterwards, I should add. The incoming front should provide some uh, good low-level lift here late in the afternoon hours of Friday, but with bone-dry air in place through much of the column, the prognostic soundings are generally showing uh, just a few hours maybe of some thickening stratus adjacent to the front. Friday night and Saturday will be bitterly cold, at least uh, by mid-March standards, with a decent bit of wind until the uh, pressure gradient starts to ease up a little bit Saturday afternoon. The good news, though, is that this uh, sudden meridional turn in our weather will ease just as rapidly as we exit the weekend with a more zonal upper pattern than setting in through much of the ensuing week. We may actually see some uh, decently warm temperatures later next week. 
But back to tonight, the widely scattered cumulus that have been in skies during the afternoon should generally subside, leaving skies at least briefly clear with increasing high clouds then after that from the southwest. Uh, through the skies, through much of the night, I don't think they'll thicken enough to make a huge impact on the temperatures, but they may keep us at least out of the single digits as we approach dawn tomorrow, uh, with the aid also of some lighter, uh, more north northerly winds overnight at 3 to 7 miles per hour. Tomorrow, high and mid-level clouds will continue to pass uh, northeastward overhead through the day, generally thinner to the north and thicker to the south of Madison, with some passing lower clouds uh, possible as well. Temperatures will uh, be in the low to mid-20s, depending upon how much sunshine makes it through those uh, cloud layers in any given place. Winds will be uh, light northwesterly, backing nominally west and then southwest tomorrow night. That will help restrain temperatures falling much past the lower mid-teens, despite clearing of skies as we approach dawn on Friday, with the uh, wave to our south and east trekking away from us by that time. Friday, between clear skies and increasing southwesterly winds in the morning, we may actually reach 30 or so uh, in the midday before winds veer west and northwest. That'll be around noon. That'll start temperatures falling. A pad of broken cumulus or strata cumulus may appear in the skies uh, through that midday wind shift period. Uh, Temperatures will descend through the 20s during the afternoon with uh, northwesterly winds uh, becoming quite brisk up at uh, 12 to 18 miles per hour. So you should start to feel a real bite in the air as we go towards evening. And it will be cold and windy overnight with uh, similar wind speeds, 12 to 18 miles per hour. uh, And temperatures dropping into the single digits by dawn Saturday. And Saturday, skies will be uh, generally clear, but temperatures will recover only uh, to the low 20s or so, with northwesterly winds coming down a bit later in the afternoon and backing more west and southwest. Temperatures will plateau, basically, in the overnight around 20 degrees, then uh, perhaps leap into the mid or even upper 40s on Sunday. The National Weather Service actually has us hitting 50 that day with uh, strong southwesterly winds in place. We will stay warm into next week. The temperature at the station on Bedford Street currently is 25 degrees. The dew point temperature is 15. Uh, Just a few passing uh, cumulus up at about 3,500 feet at this point. Uh, Winds are out of the west at 8 miles per hour, and the barometer is on the rise at 30.06 inches of mercury. We go now to March 1962, when city council campaigns and campus with city council campaigns and campus cinematography, uh, they both revolved around race and racism. Stu Levitan has the news from 60 years ago this month. All They melt into a dream. Madison in the 60s, March 1962, when race and racism dominate a city council campaign and campus cinematography. As the month opens, Southside Alder and Painters Union boss Harold E. Babe Rohr campaigns for a fourth term by attacking the NAACP as, quote, a malicious force and calling his challenger Jan Marfiak its hand-picked candidate. 
At a forum at Franklin School, Rohr says blacks hurt themselves backing bills like the NAACP's proposed human rights ordinance and denies being prejudiced. Some of my best friends are Negroes, he declares. Marfiak, an administrative assistant with the Department of Motor Vehicles, notes he is not a member of the association, disagrees with some of its tactics, and has never even met NAACP President Odell Taliaferro. Then someone starts sending anonymous postcards to 14th Ward voters claiming Marfiak lives in a trailer, doesn't pay taxes, and is himself black. Although none of this is true, Rohr refuses to disavow the lies. I had nothing to do with this, he insists. At a joint appearance in late March, someone asks Rohr point blank, Do you think that Mr. Marfiak is a Negro? When Rohr won't answer, Marfiak shoots to his feet. In the sense of fair play, Mr. Rohr, will you tell me to my face that I am not a Negro? He demands. Rohr won't. I'm not going to state whether you are or are not a Negro, Rohr replies. Both papers endorse Marfiak with blistering editorials. Rohr seeks to whip up race hate and fear to divert attention from the real issues, the liberal Capital Times declares. The moderate Wisconsin State Journal denounces Rohr's, quote, racist line and his, quote, plans to fan the flames of prejudice rather than work for solutions. The election is April 3rd. In mid-March, an instructor with the UW Extension's Bureau of Audiovisual Instruction sparks a statewide controversy by publicly resigning when the university suppresses his undercover film documenting housing discrimination in Madison. BAVI instructor Stuart Honish used long-distance lenses and hidden microphones to film 13 separate incidents of landlords rejecting black apartment seekers outright or lying to them about unit availability. He called the film To Find a Home. It was largely funded by $3,000 in donations raised by state NAACP President Lloyd Barbie, acting as chair of the local group Citizens Committee on Anti-Discrimination in Housing. Hanish and Barbie had explained the candid filming techniques to extension officials in 1960 and had gotten their approval and the final $1,000 they needed. But when Harnish screens a rough cut in January 1962, extension officials declare the university could not, quote, in good conscience, release the footage because it violated the privacy of the discriminating landlords. Hanish and Barbie propose blocking their faces and street addresses, but the administrators insist Hanish recreate the film using actors. Hanish writes an angry resignation letter instead and gives it to the Capital Times for Monday afternoon's front page, March 19th. Tuesday morning, the state NAACP chapter starts picketing extension offices, first on the Madison campus, then around the state. There are placards reading, UW protects bigots and sifting, winnowing, and film burning. UW President Conrad Elvium, who in 1931 publicly supported a restrictive covenant barring blacks from living in his Nakoma neighborhood, says he is, quote, a moral and ethical problem with the candid camera work, which he says, quote, has overtones of the police state and violates a basic freedom our Constitution guarantees. 
On Wednesday, University Vice President Fred Harvey Harrington meets with Hanish Barbie and other NAACP officials at the YWCA, trying to clear the air. Harrington agrees that they were open with extension officials about using candid footage, but that the information didn't get to central administration. We made a mistake at the university to have allowed the hidden microphones and cameras, he says. Having made it, we do not feel we should carry it forward. On Sunday, U.S. Representative Adam Clayton Powell Jr., chair of the House Labor and Education Committee, demands a copy of the film, threatening a subpoena if it is not provided. Elvium refuses, sending the Harlem Democrat a certified typewritten transcript of the film, including of footage not included in the film's rough cut. The WSA Student Senate sides with suppression and endorses the administration's action a few days later, stating that the fight against racial discrimination, quote, is not worth affronting the same spirit of fair play that is offended by discrimination. The controversy splits traditional allies. The Wisconsin Civil Liberties Union Board of Directors, which includes attorneys James E. Doyle Sr., UW Law Professors William Gorham Rice and Abner Brody, the Reverends Max Gabler and Alfred Wilson Swan, and Capital Times editor Miles McMillan, votes unanimously to condemn hidden cameras and microphones as, quote, an unwarranted invasion of privacy, and supports the administration. McMillan backs his board vote with an editorial on March 23rd, calling on the NAACP to, quote, learn that the ends do not justify the means. The liberal group Americans for Democratic Action agrees with the NAACP and calls for the film's release. The administration doesn't budge, releasing only the 80-page transcript of the film and directing Hanish's colleague Jackson Tiffany to recreate the undercover footage with actors. The regents take no formal action, but individual members express their approval of how Elvium and Harrington handled the controversy. The original film is locked away. The month ends with the two most important black leaders in America coming to the Memorial Union, only a few days apart. But their schedule is closer than their messages. On Friday, March 30th, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivers the second annual Jonas Rosenfield Lecture before a very supportive capacity crowd of 1,300 at the Union Theater, his speech entitled, The Future of Integration. Segregation is on its deathbed, the Baptist preacher declares, and the only problem is how expensive the nation will make its funeral. Three nights later, Malcolm X takes a different tack when he addresses a curious crowd of more than 500 in the Great Hall, his speech entitled Black Nationalism in America. We reject integration, period, the Nation of Islam minister declares. And that's this week's Madison in the 60s. For your award-winning, listener-supported WRT News Team, I'm Stu Levitan. And it's now 6.52 p.m., and you're listening to the live local news on WORT. Up next, we have a report from you and our pledge drive. Jade and Bert, what's the news? Well, we've got no one new to thank, which is a little bit strange. I'm sure you were just uh, haven't quite clicked the donate button, the big donut button, you listening right now. So we're going to do a, a pre-thank you. 
Yeah, pre-thank you to you. Also, a huge thank you to the people who did donate this hour. Nicole, all the way from San Francisco, in memory of John Wagnitz. Nora from Madison, who's getting that bumper sticker. (laughs) Hi, Rob. Uh, We've got Taylor from Madison. And uh, we've got Rob, who's got a a note to say. Well, I just wanted to say, am I I up... uh you're Thank on, you. yeah. Uh, um, I just wanted because I I noted that uh, people were dedicating their pledges to John Wagnuts, mm-hmm. and I p- actually pledged to last night's show. Mm. Traitor that I am to the show, um, <laughs> but I did want to. I had wasn't aware that he had passed when I did that, and I do want to dedicate my pledge to John Wagnuts. I I knew John Wagnuts a little bit and worked with him on the board of the community currency system many years ago, and he left a lot of good energy behind him wherever he went. He so sure did. a tip of the hat to John Wagnitz. I just wanted to just wanted to add that to my pledge. Thank Excellent. you. Thank Excellent. you, Rob. Yeah, we are. Um, I, I don't know what you believe, but if if ghosts are real, maybe he's hanging out in the studio with you us know, tonight. We can't create nor destroy spirits. So it's, everybody's here. There we go. That's spoken, my belief. Spoken from Bert. So um, so join. So you've heard the whole news. Jade, what should they do? Call 608-256-2001, extension 1. I have KJ in the back waiting to take your call. Um, or you can go online, wortfm.org. I'm going to be refreshing this um, website for the next six minutes. This has been very inspiring this hour. Yes, it really has been. Um, there's been so much great news. There's been so much great community. And... We, you know, we're thankful that you're a part of it as listeners, as listener supporters. You know, I think a lot of our listeners also volunteer their their time and energy to the station as well. So, um, and big the, thank out to you. And, and for those of you who would like a gift for your pledge, let me just quickly say: the forty five dollar level, you can get the Progressive magazine. Mm-hmm. It's sixty. It's the sixty twenty one ounce travel mug. One hundred and twenty. It's that super duper retro airline bag. One hundred and eighty in printed House of Marley headphones. And more. There's so many good things uh, for you, but also the best. The best thing the is best the news. Thing. You know, is WORT. It's turning on your radio. It's your radio turning on when you're in the car, and it's WORT coming over your airways. I've also really been enjoying the app. The app's a great place to listen to WORT. Um, I I noticed that there was a comment to one of our donors, Taylor. Sure. What's that? Um, Taylor's comment was "Wart equals goat." Do you know oh, what goat is? Greatest of all time. Yeah, I agree. That's really <laughs> sweet. Well, you know, and, and and it's true. You know, um, this was a dream of people mm-hmm. uh, nearly fifty years ago. Some of whom are still on the board. Dave, for example, mm-hmm. that what we need is community radio here in this city, and here we are, almost fifty years later, and we're living it. We're living it, and it takes work, just like hope takes work. But hope, keep hope alive. Send money, 608-256-2001, you know, one. during this hour, the, um, so like talking really practical things that your mm-hmm. dollars pay for. Yes. The smoke alarm went off. Yeah. Hey, our batteries, we have batteries in the smoke alarm thanks to someone's $8 yes. or however much batteries are. I don't really know, but. And the new headphones. And the new headphones. Yeah. My uh, headphones were acting a little, up a little crazy today. So would love if we could siphon one of your donations into a pair of headphones. And and making sure that Shali and Rochelle and Susan and all the key people here yeah. get compensated the way they should. You know, if you um, 
you think about it, like a lot of things cost money here, right? We've got all this equipment, needs upgraded. Um, we've got we got to pay for the website. We have to pay for our um, the thing that sends us out. The I, thing, yeah. Yeah, you know. I can't think of what it is either. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's important. And we've got Chuck here. We've got Chuck. Who, we don't pay Chuck, but Chuck is I just wanna, a gem. I just want to say it's a joy to watch Chuck do his magic here. He brings such skill from his career back in TV. He's here making this me, this magic happen. And he does it with great skill and aplomb. And uh, Chuck, thank you. And Chuck stepped up to the plate, you know, this past couple years, two years to be almost exact. With COVID, yeah. Um, we, we got to a point where there wasn't anyone in here, and no engineers. And so when we came back and we're back in the station, we needed new engineers to step up to the plate and cover mm-hmm. some of those shifts. Um, and Chuck's one of those people, and we are really thankful for Chuck everyone who stepped up to the plate. Chuck, Teresa, there's so many great engineers around here. Mm-hmm. But Chuck, for this hour and, and several other days, you're here too, Chuck. So thank you. Yes, so step up to the plate just like Chuck did, but with your financial support, 608-256-2001, extension 1, or you can go online. That's wortfm.org. We've got just about a minute and a few seconds left, so I want to thank the people who did donate. Yes, thank them, please. Um, We've got Nicole, again, in memory of John Wagnitz, which we have to thank John Wagnitz um, for making these pledges come through, too. Uh, we've got Nora from Madison. We've got Taylor from Madison, and we've got um, Steve, I believe, from yes. Madison yes, as well. Steve came through right um, in the beginning. So thank you, the four of you. Um, I could really use just one more pledge to hit our goal. Well, and and if John Wagner contacts us, we want to send you a thank you card, but we don't have an address. Yes. So please, if you t- take this as <laughs> as our thank you, thank you so thank much. You, John. Um, 608-256-2001, extension 1, or wortfm.org. And here's the pre-thank you. <laughs> We're going to go to Query pretty soon, which is a great show, but uh, if you can get that in in the next minute and a half, it still counts towards oh, the local news. be very cool. <laughs> 608-256-2001, extension 1. And I'll let uh, Rob and Vicky in the back wrap this up for and us. And Rob and Vicky, thank you so much for what you do. You are rock stars. Thank Amazing. you, Rob and Vicky. And that does it for our show this evening. Thanks for listening to WORT's Live Local News at 6. Volunteer produced and in need of your support, so do call 256-2001. David Ahrens was your headline writer this evening. Stu Levitan was your feature contributor. And a special thanks to Jade and Bert for going to bat for us this evening. We do appreciate it. Chuck Kademan engineered tonight's broadcast. With a plum, I should add. Uh, Nate Waggy helped produce the, this broadcast, also with a plum. And Charlie Pittman is the news director here at WORT. I'm your host, Robert McClure. And I'm your host, Vicki Iden. Thank you for your support of local media during the WORT Winter Pledge Drive. Keep it up. Thank you, everybody, for all of your support. Up next, we have a new live edition of Query. Have a good night.